me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it and actually played with it? Yeah! Are you one of those people that has to know how much the Babe Ruth ball is actually worth? I was going to bring it back, but it was signed by Babe Ruth! Yeah, you keep telling me that. Who is she? We'll keep it right here, because today is your lucky day. The Sultan of Clouds! King of Crap! The Colossus of Clouds! The Colossus of Clouds! It's time for Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan, sponsored by ERC Delivery and Huggins and Scott Auctions. The Great Bambino! Happy Saturday morning. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemeni of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer Tyler Aki run every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. Central Time. We'll be joined by Nancy Huggins and John Drummond around 7.20 for this week's episode of Which Ended Higher. But if you want to give us a call, 312-332-3776. If you have an item you want to know the value of, if you just want to tell us about it, you found it in the attic and you think it's cool, whatever. (laughs) Give us a call, and we'll try to give you an idea of what it might sell for in a Huggins and Scott auction, or if it's even worth putting in a Huggins and Scott auction. And their summer bidding begins this Friday, July 23rd. So we're going to be talking about some of the better items that are in that one. But before we get to that, there's an Ernie Brolio card right by Vince there. Yes, I see it. Yeah, I gave you that, that card, Vince, because... It looks like the trades have begun for the Cubs, and that's just a reminder. They don't always work out so well. Yeah, clearly they don't. The old Ernie Brolio for Lou Brock trade, going back to that one. Yeah, I came into the world coincidentally on that very day. Yeah, yeah. and who else did, by the way? Actually, I just found out recently, uh, Courtney Cox from Friends, same, same day, same year, everything. That's so, pretty cool, actually. Yep. <laughs> I'll make a yeah. good trivia question one day, you know? That will, yes. <laughs> now there's an, there's the White Sox made a trade that didn't work out so well also. Theirs was more recent, the James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, that that one is man. A, that's a tough one. <laughs> that is, for sure. Yeah, well, he'll look at some of these bigger items that are in the... Okay, bidding begins Friday, July 23rd for the summer... Huggins and Scott auction. You can go to HugginsAndScott.com and li- listen to some of these things. Mickey Mantle, 1952 Tops rookie, number 311, PSA 4.5, a $15,000 wow. minimum bid. There Very was a nice. neat article in a, one of our listeners dropped it off in Sports Illustrated a month or so ago about the 52 tops mantle and one that had sold for the highest price ever. And just yeah. tracking some of the history, it was actually a very well done story and, and really good. Bill Huggins, did you happen to read that story or anybody tell you about that in sports illustrated? Yeah, no, that was, that was a very well done, uh, well done article about that. I mean, that's like the iconic card of our, current era you know that yeah it really is it really is now here's another one that's starting at a bid this one's starting at fifty thousand five oh jackie robinson 1948 leaf rookie card number 79 psa 7 so it's a 
That's a real wow. nice grade. $50,000 minimum bid on that one. And then for for crackers, for pack crackers, <laughs> I don't know if you want to really crack this one, but 1996-97 Topps Chrome Basketball Factory Sealed Box with 20 packs, $5,000 minimum bid on that baby. So, yeah. Wow. Who I knows? A where... lot of fun with that one. A lot oh, my gosh. Now that uh, could you imagine if you got one of the good rookies or even the Kobe, like a rookie refractor out of that box? Oh my gosh, that'd be Amazing. unbelievable! Yep. Well, we have a caller waiting for us. Tom from Wilmette is on right. the line. Hey, Lurch, <laughs> welcome to the show, Tom. What's up? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Good. Hey, it was uh, it was great coming into your store this past week and meeting you and, and seeing uh, all the memorabilia brought back a lot of memories. But I, yeah. I, I knew when I came in, I, I was going to be bringing in something that you'd never seen before. So true. Um, I, I tweeted it by the way, Tom, on July thirteenth. T Crown Tom's my Twitter ID. If anybody wants to see this, this is what Tom is going to be talking about here. So give <laughs> us some background on this now, Tom. Well, I was I was lucky enough to have a father that was a, a pilot for United Airlines. So back in the uh, you know the 20 years that he was flying back in the 60s and 70s, he flew on occasion charters of, of you know a lot of sports teams. You know whether it be the Cubs, the Blackhawks, Oakland A's, uh, White Sox, uh, Bears. You know you name it. Uh, he 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 flew a lot of those. And being the good dad that he was, he'd he'd always get <laughs> you know he'd come home with autographs for me. <laughs> um, so in the back of all the seat pockets on the planes, now they have the, uh, you know, the, the airline magazines, but back then they had these sort of fold out maps of, of you know, the, the country and the routes that they were flying. So, yeah. um, I think I brought into you the 66 bears with, uh, Papa, Papa bear, George Hallis, uh, uh, as the coach. And there were a number of autographs on this. He's the only one that signed it in, in ink. Everybody else was in pencil, but. You were most impressed by the Brian Piccolo. Uh, well, I thought yeah, I thought it was neat that Piccolo and Sayers were on the same side of of that uh, the map for just yeah. for display purposes. And because the the movie, if you could get yep. a like a picture from the movie and display it in a frame with that signed map, I mean that that would be really cool. The picture of the two of them, like they had where they were running together, they were, I think they, you know, messing around, whatever. That would be a great display. And I, yeah, I one thing I wanted to mention, I thought, I remember saying this to you, it was cool that your dad, it seemed like on all of these, he said, you could tell he was like, can you sign these for my son? Because they, <laughs> they would say to Tom, you know, and yeah, right, whatever. Right. It was neat. Yeah, it was nope. great. I mean, I got, I had some, I had the Blackhawks with Bobby Hall, Dennis yeah. Hall, Chico Mackey, Eric Nestorenko. Um, they were kind enough to sign that in ink, but most of them were pencil, <laughs> uh, which leads me to the uh, the uh, Oakland A's. Uh, yeah. I thought you, you found this interesting, and, and uh, my dad's not a fan of one of their, their coaches at the time, but uh, he had uh, some of the A's sign it uh, again. To sort of set this up, there's there's a picture of a jet flying in a blue sky, and toward the top of the blue sky, it's very dark, almost black. And yeah. uh, one of their coaches at the time was Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> and uh, 
lo and behold, he signs an in pencil in the darkest area of the. Uh, the yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you literally have to hold it, in, and you know he did that on purpose. That's good. That, oh yeah, I've heard sure. that story before. That that's kind of irritating, where he didn't like yes. to do it, but he felt like. You know, the pilots asked <laughs> So he signed it, but not in a spot that was a good display. So that, yeah, that's not real cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you literally have to hold it up to a light to even see the autograph. So. Makes a good story, <laughs> though, if you, if you have them on display. And then you were asking if Phil Roof was somebody important. He was bold on that thing. He was <laughs> yeah. like, no, he was a, a weak hitting catcher, you know, kind of yeah. equivalent of like a George Mitterwald or Dick Bertel or somebody <laughs> like that. Not, not too yeah, exciting. I didn't, know, I didn't know if he was a coach of the A's at one time or not, but um, yeah, at that yeah. time he would have been just a, a weak hitting catcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the DiMaggio story is good. And some of the other ones had on the one with uh, you had George Hallis on the other side, I suppose you could uh, unfold that and display it where you, people could see both of them maybe yeah, so it was pretty I, cool yeah i have three boys so i mean i i really don't see ever like selling these or yeah you know, putting them right. for auction but uh, just passing them on to my boys maybe they can make that call down the road but um yeah, yeah that's kind of that's unique. a good idea i think i Very might put them stuff. behind glass at some point so it was, it was nice meeting you i have derosher too that was one of the, the four oh yeah and yeah leo, leo derosher Yep. Leo the lip. Yep. yep. Well, very good. If you find anything else that looks exciting, let me know. <laughs> I'll do that. Thanks, guys. All right. Very good. good. Thanks for the call. All right. The number here is 312-332-3776. If you have an item like that that you found recently or you just know that you have, and it's like, wait a minute, I think I have this thing like tucked away somewhere. A lot of people during covid went and dug that stuff out and found out some things are selling for some really good money. Bill Huggins, sure. this is going to be interesting. This auction beginning July 23rd. Now that the, it seems like the big wildness of COVID is settled down and things are more in a normal type or closer to normal type market. Now be interesting to see how the prices do on all this. You have a lot of bidders ready to go, though, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Matt keeps telling me we're getting five to eight new bidders every day, literally. Wow. Wow. That's good. I'll tell yeah. you this. A couple of years ago, I started listing a page on the tcrowntom.com website because people started bringing in more and more stuff for the Huggins auction. So I thought, well, I'll start a page because I would tell people, well, this got put in, but then it's like, well, this now I can show them. And when you look at that page now and just scroll down, yes. wow, it's a, it's pretty impressive. It's like, were all those things actually here? You know, but yeah. they're only here for like an hour. I package them up and ship them out when they're. It's going to be a fun auction to watch, especially with the after the pandemic, and just it's just really going to be an exciting auction this time around. It really is. Sure. It'll yep. and it's going to be interesting to see what some how some of the prices do. A lot of the, the vintage stuff. And then there there's actually some really nice newer like items in there. They there's a PSA ten Otani twenty eighteen tops update rookie with a warm up shirt variation, which some of those can sell for some really good money. That's got a hundred fifty dollar minimum bid. But who knows how Otani's been so crazy. Did you see that that uh 
Vlad Jr. hit two more homers last night too. Amazing. That guy's been unbelievable. Yep. Yep. It's it's For really sure. something how I Otani had 17 homers and then it seemed like a week later he had 33. I mean, he must Crazy. have hit 15 in in less than a month. He had so Vlad's got a shot for the triple crown. He's actually not that he does. far off. So yeah. That would be great. Oh, that would oh, be fantastic. Be awesome. Yep. Yes. Okay, we have another caller. Tom from the South Side is on right. Welcome, Tom. <laughs> Tell us what you have. <laughs> um, I have uh, the golf cart, uh, Ron Sano's personal golf cart. He drove at Wrigley Field. and Really? To, yeah, he drove it to golf outings. Huh. And um, um, he, he uh, signed it for us for our 40th anniversary. Wow. And, uh, I have pictures of him signing it, and I have pictures of him actually riding in it. Oh, that is, that is really – now, how would you end up with that, Tom? Did you know him pretty well or work with him? Or? Uh, my family knew uh, companies that uh, uh, they worked with and the golf cart manufacturer, and um, uh, they, we asked him if he would sign it, and he said, sure. We brought it up there on a trailer, and he signed it. He didn't like the way it signed so he went back in his home and got a better marker and wow. did a real signature on the side. I've had it for about 10 years, I believe. Very cool. And, uh, pardon me? Is that, that's very cool. He was such a cool guy. I yes. was lucky enough to be able to go up into the radio booth with him and uh, Pat Hughes one time about maybe 15 years ago. And he was so he had, I, I think he had already had his legs amputated, but wow. you never would have known it. I mean, he yep. comes up, yep. he was so friendly and, you know, obviously I'd never met him before the only time, but I, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, the Cubs with Ernie Williams, Sano Banks, Kessinger, Beckert, that whole team. I mean, they were in, that's, I watched as many games of those as I could as a kid. So it was right. awesome and to get to meet the him. Photos, he actually has a driver that would take him up to the TV booth and at these events. Uh, he would. He always had a driver with him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he did an anniversary card. The guy was really generous to sign anything. I mean, he loved it. He was flattered that he even wanted a signature. He was pretty cool. Pat Hughes is actually a. a really friendly good guy too from meeting him i mean like a really good guy yeah that was a that was quite the duo so well very well, cool I've had, I've had this for oh, 10 years and um i'm thinking of uh maybe releasing it i I oh. used to bring it to events and people would take pictures on it and things and... <laughs> yeah now bill huggins that's obviously a big item. Would uh, would an item like that be something where you could sell it, if, or would you even want to try to sell it in an auction where they'd have to come and pick it up at the place in Chicago, or or how, or would you yeah. even not not want to be able to deal with that, Bill? Oh, I'm sure we could sell that in the auction, and and I would almost bet dollars to donuts that somebody in Chicago would win that item. Yeah. There would be a high propensity that that would happen, in which case delivery would be very easy. 
Yeah, ERC. Sure. ERC yeah, delivery yeah, on demand. 100%. <laughs> Maybe that's what you'd have to you'd have to put on it if you did it that it it has to be a Chicago area buyer, I guess. Could you do something like that? I mean, if Tom wanted to do it? Oh, yeah, we could do that. And I, like yeah. I said, I'd be shocked if it wasn't a Chicago area buyer, yeah. even if you didn't say that, you know. Yeah, I suppose. No, I there was a person in, saw it on social media, actually from Arizona, that had some interest in it. But at that oh. time, uh, I had oh. no intention of selling it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, you could always was, drive it was, to Arizona, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if it was somebody out of Chicago, we could create that up and get it to them wherever. The so. Logo on it. And, Oh, it does have a Cubs logo on it, too? That's cool. Yeah, it oh. has the Cubs, uh, a big decal and some Cubs things on the side, and it's blue. It was pretty much brand new. The golf cart itself was... Uh, I think I'm looking at a potential buyer right now. <laughs> you Vince, see my face Vince, lighting up? I keep imagining writing that thing. Yeah, Vince is but, like oh, he's yeah. starting to drool. Like, oh, boy, that might be that might be good at ERC to get there around, you, you know? 100%. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Next time you golf, you could have an ERC truck drive you to the course Drop and wheel out on right. front of the back. Get out of that. my head. Get out of my head. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Well, Tom, maybe your first thing, if you decide you want to sell it, is to contact Vince at ERC Delivery. There you go. And see if you can work something out. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's a great item. If, if you ever want to send me pictures or tweet pictures to my attention of it, I'd like to see them, actually. It sounds really cool. Sure. Uh, I can uh, text you photographs of it. Yeah, very good. Thanks, What's Tom. What's the number there? Uh. Well, do you the, give it to me after I get off. Yeah, uh, I'll tell yeah, you Tom, what. I'll, I can take your info once. Uh, I'll put you on hold and we can go over your info and I'll forward it along to Tom. Okay, very good. Thanks. Okay, so some other items. Let's get. We're already coming up to the pretty close to the break here. Some other items in the bidding begins now, July twenty third. So that's this Friday. <laughs> this is going to be fast. fun to watch. Here's some other things in there. Okay, a Honus Wagner 1910 tip-top bread SGC authentic. $1,500 minimum bid. If you can't get the tobacco card that's a million or more for even the lowest grade, go (laughs) tip-top on Honus Wagner. And now I sent in a a bunch of Babe Ruths for a, a listener Babe Ruth, 1933 Gaudi, number 181, PSA 2.5, $1,500 minimum bid. There were four different Babe Ruth cards in 1933 Gaudi, number 53, 144, 149, and 181. And all four are individually being auctioned. They're in lower grade, but they're all graded in the Huggins and Scott auction with the bidding beginning uh, Friday the 23rd. And there's also... Uh, Lou Gehrig, number 160, 1933 Gaudi, a PSA 2 with a $500 minimum bid on that one. So check those out. Now, it's time for a short break. After the break, we'll be joined by Nancy Huggins and John Drummond for this week's episode of Which Ended Higher. And, of course, John Drummond will be in John Drummond's time machine going back in time. And as we've learned from John Drummond and every week, 
If you don't learn from the mistakes of history, you're destined to repeat them. So listen up when John Drummond is telling his stories. And hang in there, everybody. We'll be right back. Now back to Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan. Sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemente of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer Tyler Aki. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 8. And we're joined now by Nancy Huggins. And well, actually, Journey. Tom, we're not joined by Nancy today. She's uh, sending a pinch hitter today. Oh, who's the pinch hitter? Americana Steve. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. I don't know. I think, do we like our chances better or worse with Americana Steve? I don't have any comic but books. If you, got all comic, if you got all comic books in, in your yeah. things, you're in big trouble. <laughs> Wait, let me scratch out all the comic books and switch real fast. You have to change it up a little there, Tom. <laughs> well, we are joined by Chicago Journalism Hall of Famer John Bulldog Drummond. And John Bulldog Drummond has a trip down... In the time machine. <laughs> What's up, Mr. Drummond? Well, first of all, thanks for the intro before. You made me sound like Professor John Drummond, a historian expert. But uh, yes. we, do, we are taking trips down memory lane, but with, usually with a Chicago angle. And that's certainly the case today. Even though we just had an anniversary of this incident, the Jack Johnson-Jim Jeffries heavyweight title fight back in Reno, Nevada, over 100 years ago. They fought on July 4th. And that was more than just any heavyweight title fight. And by the way, in that era, boxing was bigger even than baseball or horse racing. But what happened, Jack Johnson was known as the Galveston Giant, even though he spent the bulk of his adult life in Chicago. He's a big guy, and he was an African-American, a black man. And he won the heavyweight title by stopping a guy by the name of Tommy Burns, a white man, back in Australia in 2008. It's not just that he won the fight, but the way he did it. He, he toyed with this guy, Burns. He taunted him, and that, of course, didn't sit very well with the so-called sporting crowd. Jack London was at ringside. Jack London, uh, you may remember, a famous author. When you were younger, you may have read The Sea Wolf or White Fang or Call of the Wild, but he was also a syndicated newspaper columnist, a sports writer. And he demanded in his column that Jim Jeffries come out of retirement and bring the heavyweight championship back to the white race where it belonged. And the sporting crowd took up the, that cry, and pretty soon there was such a tremendous pressure, a pressure on uh, on uh, Jeffries to come out of retirement. He did. He weighed 300 pounds. He hadn't had a fight in six years, and he came back by public demand to meet Jeffries in the so-called battle for the great white hope. And by the way, Johnson also at that time was quite a womanizer, and a lot of times many of his racially his mixed his mixed romances were mixed with white women and married a couple of white women. Well, in that era, that did not set very well, as you can imagine. So Johnson was not a popular champion at that time. And then when he fought Jeffries, Jeffries was a shell of himself out in Reno, and uh, again Jack did his usual stunt. He had to taunt his opponent, like he said, "Let's see what you got, Mister Jeff." Hey, that wasn't much there. Come on, Mister. Jeff, let's show me what you can do. And then he put him away when Jeffries ran out of gas about on the 14th round, and he was heavyweight champion retained. So what happens then? What has happened then? The people, the power that be, the sporting crowd, what are we going to do about this guy? He's heavyweight champion. He can beat anybody. We had the white hope go up against him. This, others are not good white hopes. So ah, what they did, they went to Congress, and Congress passed a law called the Mann Act 
was based for one man, Jack Johnson. If you take a woman across a state line for what was called immoral purposes, you would be guilty of the Mann Act and could do in some time. So Johnson fled the country and stayed mm. overseas for five or six years and finally lost his title in Havana, Cuba in uh I think it was 1915, of course, he was pretty much washed up by then. He was living high off the hog in Europe. And they fought for 26 rounds under a broiling sun in Havana. Willard was a giant, and a giant physically, and wore Willard, uh, Johnson down. Johnson was KO'd in the 26th round. That's it. 26 oh, rounds they won those days. <laughs> wow. And Johnson later claimed, no, no, I took a dive or something like that. that there was no evidence to support that. And later recounted, admitted he tried what he could. So mm. that happened. Johnson then came back eventually in 1920, did some time at Leavenworth for violation of the Mann Act and came back and pretty much spent most of his life in Chicago where he had an asphyxiation not only for the women but for speeding cars. He has a big picture I've seen of him being stopped by the Chicago police back around 1916 or so, a little later than that, with a speeding car. Johnson, of course, uh, had a fast-paced life, whatever he did. In 1946, he was driving. He was down in North Carolina, driving up to New York to see the Lewis Kahn fight. At a high rate of speed, he left, left the, the highway near Raleigh, North Carolina, and was killed. And that ended Jack Johnson. That could have ended the story, but then again, Hollywood and uh, show business, Broadway got the bright idea with the play The Great White Hope. And it, it opened on Broadway in the late 60s and then became a movie, which some of our older listeners or would, may have enjoyed seeing with uh, James Earl Jones in the title role of Jack Johnson called The Great White Hope. Now, the Chicago angle, other than the fact that Johnson lived in Chicago and is buried here, he was buried, Johnson was buried in Graceland Cemetery. And his marker apparently was not too, I've, I've seen it, very nondescript. And the people with the plague had a news conference I covered out there urging people to contribute money uh. to build Jack Johnson a marker that was warrant, warranted a heavyweight champion of the world. I don't think that they apparently didn't raise enough funds because at that time I remember that did not play Peoria. It didn't nobody fill it. I don't. So I haven't been there in recent years, so I don't know whether that marker has been improved or not. But anyway, Jack Johnson is buried there. They play, of course, turned into the movie, a very popular movie, made James Earl Jones a major star, and he took the role of Jack Johnson. And I know also, by the way, at the cemetery we're talking about is Graceland Cemetery which is located not too far, by the way, from Wrigley Field on Irving Park, and, uh, Irving Park, just south, just north of Irving Park and right over on Clark Street. So it's very close to that place. And also buried there are Chicago uh, VIPs like Potter Palmer, the Fields, Louis Sullivan, the famed architect, and also a guy by the name of Ruby Robert Fitzsimmons. You say, who the blazes is that? <laughs> he was the guy that was a former heavyweight champion that scored the most famous knockout in history when he knocked out James J. Corbett, what they call the solar plexus punch to the stomach so that became quite a myth but also buried there is jack johnson and bob fitzsimmons so there's your story what the situation of the gravesite is right now johnson i don't know but i know he's still they, the remains are still there i think they did put in a, a bigger marker for him like a big display whatever they call that I saw a picture online that I'm pretty sure they did. I well, they finally did, it. all right, because at yeah. first they did not, and it warranted that. Johnson was quite a, quite a character, and he was a great fighter. There's no question about it. Some say the greatest of all time. Others, of course, would dispute that. But that's where Jack Johnson is buried, right in Chicago. Uh, going, of course, I said, with Ruby Robert Fitzsimmons. But Johnson spent his bulk of his career here in Chicago. I actually looked character. up on PSA. They uh, they do little backgrounds on on autographs and cards and things like that. They said finding signed gloves or trunks are a virtual impossibility, as most of the items signed by Johnson are photos and cuts. 
and a cut they have it 350 a letter or document 850 a photo $2,500 on a photo so if your if your first edition book had been signed by him uh, that would have been some big money there. <laughs> Tom is referring to a book that I do have called Jack Johnson in the ring and out by Jack Johnson, supposed to be his autobiography came out yeah. in 1927. And indeed in there is a, a photograph. Of, it's, no, I shouldn't say that a photograph of Jack and below it says respectfully, Jack Johnson. Unfortunately to me, it looks like it's a stamp job. It's not the real autograph. Oh, that's uh, too bad. Yeah, How much would that, what have what'd been the real McCoy? How much money could I made? If Tell that had about. been a, a real signed, probably over five, thousand dollars no, don't you think no. No. you tell me these things no. <laughs> i shouldn't even brought this up right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well you can you can have your son send me a picture of it and i'll let you know but i have a feeling it's uh, probably uh, right well, it's that's dead, just so. life in the big city all right i'm ready to take my punishment now for which ended higher all right there is a lot of 41 photos including jack johnson in the huggins and scott summer auction so check that out if you're a boxing fan. Uh, those old photos are kind of cool. All right, here's the items now. Here's the scoring going into this week. It tightened up a bit. Nancy Huggins now has seven. John Drummond, five. And Tyler and Vince each have three. Tyler went first last week. Didn't help you guys. So, Vince, why don't you go first this week? And okay. if there's an item you want to delete or you want to leave all five in. Uh, I'm going to increase my chances, get rid of one, get rid of number five. Number five is Jackie Robinson, 1953 tops card. Number one graded PSA 4.5. And the high bid on that was $2,900. And that would not have been the highest priced item. So there's some good items in, in this week's items. Okay, here we go. Now, I mentioned we have one of these in this summer uh, auction starting Friday. Bidding starts Friday. The exact same grade. Babe Ruth, 1933 Gaudi, number 181, PSA 2.5. It ended February of 2020. Okay. Next item. Michael Jordan, 1986 Fleer, rookie number 57. Graded PSA 7, ended October of 2020. Next item. Now, there's a PSA 8 version of this. Wayne Gretzky, 1979 Tops rookie, starting Friday in uh, this in the Huggins and Scott summer auction. This one is a Wayne Gretzky, 1979 Tops rookie, number 18. PSA 7 that ended in March of 2021. And then the last item is a Lou Alcindor, who changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 1969 Tops rookie card number 25, SGC 7 on that card. So, Vince. Wow, these are all think? strong items. They are. They're, it's a, it's a, some good group this week. You know, I'm just going to I'm going to go with the Babe Ruth 1933. Babe Ruth 1933 PSA 2.5 Tyler. I'm going to go with the Lou Alcindor rookie. Alcindor Ooh. rookie SGC 7. Okay. John Drummond. 
We're going to follow. We're going to follow the man from Syracuse because I think that Alcindor one is going to edge out uh, Jordan. I'm going to go with who Alcindor, 1969 rookie card. John Drummond <laughs> loves to gamble. I, I, I'd Love like it. to see you in a casino, John. I bet you'd be going wild I out there. Go, yeah, well, I would love that. I never had to go. I'm a loser. Okay. I'm a marker pretty quick. All right. <laughs> okay, and now we've got Americana Steve testing his knowledge of non-comic books. Tom, I'm probably not much help than Nancy, but I'm going to go with the Jordan. With the Michael Jordan, Americana Steve. Okay. Now I'm looking through. There's been white one item that was not picked. And, of course, that is the one that ended higher. Really? The oh, no. John, oh, my. John Drummond, <laughs> who picked up a bonus point last week, goes back to four because he yeah. loses a point. Here's how, here's the prices of the items. The Michael Jordan PSA seven went for thirty three hundred dollars on in October of twenty twenty. Okay, the Ruth Gowdy in February of twenty twenty went for a high bid at thirty four hundred. The Luel Sindor at least at least it was second thirty seven hundred. And the Wayne Gretzky PSA oh seven gosh. tops rookie thirty eight hundred dollars. Wow. So they were this is all a, very they're close packed yeah. together like that. It's really yeah. tough. Yeah. They're all good items. They all did well, and unfortunately, unfortunately, no one got it. So Nancy Huggins once again she picks up by not being there. <laughs> she gains by not being here. <laughs> and Americana Steve with the good effort. Thanks for joining us, Steve, on that one. <laughs> Okay, now we're already coming up to about the time for another break here. But before we we get to that, I tweeted this you get, on July 14th, a guy named Anthony Augustine did this go-go Sox tune for the about for the White Sox. It's about a 2-minute tune. When I started listening to it, I thought, well, this guy's kind of off pitch. I don't know if I like it, but I think he was going for like a 1920s sound. And after I heard the whole thing and the music part of it, it actually, it it's a catchy right. tune. So if you have a chance to listen to that, I bet John Drummond would think that that does have like a, a 20s or 30s from the 1900s. If you yeah, heard but even this. though that was the go-go soccer in the 50s, you're right. It did have that old, that older older sound to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, kind of neat. Well, thanks, John Drummond. And, and I don't know if uh, you guys are sticking for the final uh, Americana Steve, but thanks for joining us. It's time for a short break here now. The number is 312-332-3776. If you have an item... You want to know the value of, or you can tweet a picture of an item to my attention. T Crown Tom is my Twitter ID. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to sports collecting with Tom Morgan, sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemente of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions. And our producer, Tyler Aki, we're on till late. I'm going to be talking now about some of the items that are in the Huggins and Scott summer auction. Bidding begins this Friday, I believe at noon central time, I think is high when noon. it is. Yeah, high <laughs> noon. And uh, so that's July 23rd. You can start bidding. 
Let's start in the 50s here. Okay, listen to some of these items. People forget that because all the publicity about the 52 mantle, there's a Willie Mays rookie in there too. Now, he wasn't a short print like Mantle was, so that holds it down a little bit, but still a great card. The 52 tops Mays rookie number 261, PSA 5, a $2,500 minimum bid. There's a card number one, Andy Pasco. A redback in a PSA 6, $400 minimum bid. Got a little background on Yogi Berra. There's a Yogi Berra card, 1952 tops, number 191, PSA 5, $150 minimum bid. He played (laughs) in 14 World Series. He was in 75 World Series games, hit 12 homers, 39 RBIs, and had an 811 OPS in World Series games. Wow, pretty, <laughs> pretty amazing. Now, his 162-game average was 27 homers, 109 RBIs, 54 walks, and 32 Ks. So he walked more than he struck out and still had that good a power, and he had a, a batting average of 285 lifetime average. Great hitter. When we had Whitey Ford on the show a couple times, one time I read a thing off about they were comparing catchers of all time and he was adamant about he goes Yogi doesn't get enough credit for how great he was great clutch hitter really good catcher but because of the way he was built and the goofy things he said people like would laugh but great player great hitter and one of the top five for sure catchers of all time so that's a He'd be a good guy to collect, too, with all that info around Absolutely. him, actually. Yep. So, pretty cool. Now, from the 60s, there's a Gail Sayers 1966 Philadelphia rookie card, number 38, PSA 6, with a $200 minimum bid. And I know there's a Gail Sayers in a, in a lot of football cards that I sent in. That's non-graded, but I, there was a Sayers and Butkus rookie, I think, both in this lot. So look that up if you if you like the Very non-graded nice. and to buy a, a group altogether. Plus Tom Seaver, who passed away recently, 1967, tops number 581 rookie, SGC7, 250 minimum bid. A Rod Carew rookie is also in that 67 tops. His is also an SGC7 and a 250 minimum bid. Pete Rose, 1963 tops rookie, PSA 6, 500 minimum bid. Willie Stargell had a rookie card in that same set, similar to the Rose with four guys, headshots on it. Stargell's another guy, 162 game average, 33 homers, 106 RBIs. 282 lifetime average, 147 OPS plus. So that's he seems like a, to fly under the radar as well. He does. He? Yeah. A great Pop. power hitter, and yep. and he was MVP of the 1979 World Series. He had 12 hits, three homers, and seven RBIs. So he was clutch wow. too. Pretty strong. That was that we are family. We are family. World Sister Series. Sledge, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was, I remember yeah, that. He seemed like a really good guy. Like everybody <laughs> yeah. seemed to to love the guy too. In the 70s, some of the rookies in the Huggins and Scott bidding begins Friday, July 23rd. Mike Schmidt, uh, here's a a couple of third basemen that are 
great third base. And Mike Schmidt was, in addition to being a big-time power hitter, that guy was a great fielding third yep. baseman. But uh, his 1973 Opeachy rookie card, number 615, SGC8, I didn't even know there was Opeachy in 73. I've never seen that one. I, I have an 83 set with a Sandberg in it. But, Bill Huggins, you see that Opeachy Mike Schmidt card very often? No, no, you don't see that. And they, they, the Opeachy's from, oh, from the 70s back to 1965 when they really started. Oh, they, they, okay. they, they don't surface much. We've had groups of them on occasion, um, but. No, you don't see much of those down here in the United States. I can was, imagine in Canada there may be more, but, you know. Yeah, that was the Canadian tops and, you know, that version. So it was a different version of of the set, but it was the same year's set. So that could do very well, I would think. Now, George Brett's another great third baseman in the 70s. He, his 1975 tops rookie card, number 228. PSA eight, a $200 minimum bid, his 162 game average. He didn't have as many home runs, but 189 hits, 40 doubles, eight triples and 19 wow. homers. The guy, and every time he hit a gapper, he was thinking third base, not yep, like yep. I'll, I'll, I'll jog into second. He was thinking three. That's the way he played that. I liked watching him play. 96 RBIs per season, 305 lifetime average, and 135 was his OPS plus. Remember when he was going for 400 yep. batting average yep. that one year? And yep. that got a lot. Of, what did he end up? Maybe 390, 390 maybe. Yeah. 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 Carew went for 400 too close. Yeah. And I think Brett had the greatest expression of anger in the history of baseball uh, yeah. on tape when yes. uh, I think it was Billy Martin you yes. know, came out in the pine tar and yeah. right, after he had hit off a... the bench. And, yeah, uh, well, the Yankees great. and Royals had a really huge yes. rivalry at that point. They yep. hated each other. There were fights at third base with Brett and guys sliding in. And, Greg Dettles and, and then yeah, those guys. He had hit a big home run. When he gets to the dugout, Billy Martin comes out and says, hey, I don't know. This looks like the uh, pine tar is too high on the bat. And yet he looked like his eyes were going to bulge yep. out of his head when he <laughs> ran out of the dugout. If you've never seen that video, you got to yeah, search great. George Brett pine tar incident. I'm sure it would be yep. on YouTube where you can see that. Oh, you That's can see the it maddest I think I've ever yes. seen anybody. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I know. In a game, in any sport. Yeah, yep. he was he was going crazy. <laughs> now, another guy in, in the 70s, a, a Thurman Munson, 1970 tops rookie, number 189, PSA 8, $250 minimum bid. To me, Okay, he didn't play as many years, but he should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I can't believe he's not in the Hall of Fame. His 162 game average as a catcher, 292, 13 homers, 80 RBIs, 116 OPS plus, not that great, but one MVP, one rookie of the year, one two. He was in two three World Series. They won two. He had a 5.2 war average per season. That's one of the top that's catchers. Very good. I think that's top three of all time of catchers. Yeah. I, I, you know, who cares if a guy plays four or five 
kind of on downhill years at the end of their career. To me, a guy who's great for 10, 12 years, that's who you want in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He was he was an all-star seven of ten seasons, the leader of the team. Listen to his playoffs. He batted 357 in 30 postseason games with three homers and 22 RBIs. And I can't read what my, oh, oh an 874 OPS. <laughs> I was like, Morgan. wait a minute, is this OPS plus? <laughs> yeah, Dr. Morgan, can't read my own writing. But he was really clutch, the leader of the team, great player. And him yep. and Fisk in the, in the American League at that time, Bench was in the National League. Those two guys in the, were clearly the top of the line American League catchers in that decade. Put him in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't get it. I, think, I don't think anybody would argue with that. No. And they do have in the Huggins and Scott auction also, we were talking about that. Was that his hat? There was a bear or was was that in coming up in Yeah, there was a bear face mask and a and a Munson game worn hat. And we were saying which one would you rather have? And you decided both. Yeah, and I would actually play catch with them. I would catch, you know, somebody, you know, pitch it. That'd be cool. (laughs) I can see doing that too, without a doubt. Well, it's already, we're, we're at the end of another show, Vince. Time flies when we're on the radio, it does. doesn't it? It certainly <laughs> does, yes. Now, don't forget, bidding begins this Friday, July 23rd at HugginsAndScott.com. It uh, runs for a couple of weeks, so get your bids in early. And it's fun to watch, even if you're not going to bid, fun. just to yeah. see what some things do. Go to HugginsAndScott.com. I've got things at tcrowntom.com, a Huggins and Scott page that listeners and customers' items they brought in to me and I sent in. You can click on the photos and it takes you to the bidding page. Some great stuff. That's a cool, that's an impressive page when you scroll down. ERC delivery, Vince Clemente on demand delivery 24-7. And I'm 365. at Triple Crown. Stay tuned for the odds couple with Mike North and Carmen DeFalco. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening.